We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Another week, another episode of the Corner Podcast. By now, you know it's Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, in the building. I feel like this week flew by. Uh, Dre, you're usually busy. I can't imagine this week to be any different. But what did you do for Halloween with you and especially the little one? I don't care what you dressed up as. What was she for Halloween? Uh, she wasn't shit. She was sick. That's what she was for Halloween. So she's oh. been sick the past few days. So, yep. Unfortunately, my little uh, my little one is uh, all congested. So we was going to take her out. So we just took her to a, uh, a pumpkin patch. 
and a little carnival thing this weekend. And she, I don't know, man, my daughter's two, let's see, it's two years and one month now. And she's speaking full sentences, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, well, you're kind of weird, so I expect nothing different. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's got a personality and she knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. And when I took her, she, you know, she wanted to, I was worried because nothing really excites her. Like, she does shit, and it never really excites her, unless it's some shit she really wants to do, like watch her iPad all fucking day. But uh, she was getting on rides, and she would get pissed off when she couldn't get on the ride anymore. Like, I guess, you know, kids don't understand the concept, like, yo, I have no more tickets for you to ride this shit. <laughs> she just, she didn't care. She would freak out. And so, like, people were just like, all right, um, she can ride it again, because my daughter was having a fit. Like, she did not want to take no for an answer. So, yeah, she's at my uh, my mother's house right now for Halloween. I'm watching Nightmare on Elm Street, watching horror movies all day. Uh, when she gets home, she'll probably be sitting here watching horror w- movies with me. So she was going to be dressed up as like Minnie Mouse or a pumpkin again. My, my wife likes to dress her up as a pumpkin for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no costumes this year. Don't scar that poor child and have her watch horror movies like you did growing up. Oh, come on, man. That's all I do. <laughs> You've been watching horror movies, you said, since you were like four with your grandma. You're just passing yeah. it down now. Yeah, no, like I can't do I, it, man. I told you my first two movies that I ever remember seeing as like a four-year-old, I want to say, was Scarface and Jaws 3D. Those are the first two <laughs> movies I ever saw. I don't remember like no cartoons. Those are the first two movies I saw. Fuck my head up. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah nah, you're wild. I couldn't even, I, I wanted to for a second get into that Netflix show. The Haunting on House Hill or Hill House or whatever. House on, man, the, haunting, the House on Haunting Hill is fucking amazing. You need to watch that. No, because that shit wouldn't let me sleep. Like, oh. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep at all. And I already get tiny amounts of sleep as it is. No, nah, I'm still scared of the dark, Dre. I got to go. Man. Like, I got to get a cup of water in the middle of the night and turn it on every light in the crib. I, I can't do it, man. You got to, like, the House on Haunting Hill is so dope because not only... Is it a really good series on Netflix? Like, horror movies have a, have a problem. Like, I stopped watching American Horror Story after, like, season one. Because they don't really know how to continue the narrative of being scared or have it, uh, suspense. The House on Haunted Hill is dope. Plus, it has, like, hidden ghosts in the show. So, like, as you're watching it, if you watch it a second time or you watch certain scenes a second time, you'll notice that, like, ghosts are hiding throughout the house. The shit is dope. It's like, where's Waldo with, like, ghosts? Yeah, see, now I'm not trying to do that shit. I can't even sleep with the the closet doors open because I don't like the hangers and clothes. Like, I feel like someone's watching me. And then we got mirrors on our closet. Shit's all bad. All bad already. So I can't mess with the scary stuff. At most, I'll go watch Halloween. That shit's not even scary. Like, Yeah, that, I just went for Halloween last week. Yeah, see, like I'd watch that. That's just a guy who walks very slowly. Like, I can do that. Like, I can't do, like, any paranormal shit. Like, no, suspense gets me the worst. Anything that seems like it could be real, I can't do. Man, see, I'm, like, I'm a horror movie buff. Like, Hereditary is amazing. Like, I watch Asian horror. I watch foreign horror. Like, I watch it all. Like, play horror video games. Even though I don't have the nerve for some of them shits anymore. Like, that game Outlast. Woo! That's a little <laughs> bit much. That's a little bit much. But, um... On the note of video games real quick, and I know like people are like, it's the combat sports. Yeah, I got Red Dead Redemption 2, and I had to finish Spider-Man like last week. Like I plowed through it, so I, so I would wake up like dumb early in the morning so I could finish it. And I just started Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2. This is like the most amazing game ever. 
Oh my God. See, I feel like it's going to take over my life. Like, one, I need that external. I don't want to put all that memory on my PlayStation um, unless I play it all the way through and then delete it. But even then, it reminds me of what I've seen, like other people playing in gameplay. It reminds me of when, like, Orcarina of Time came out for N64, where wow. you can just do random shit to kill time oh, and yeah. get lost in the game. Like, when, uh, when you got the horse in like Orcarina of Time and you just ra- randomly just go and gallop around and look at shit and you just look up and there's four hours left and you haven't progressed in the game. You've just been looking around. I feel like this is how it is. Like you just oh, yeah, randomly yeah. look around, look at the landscape, fuck around with a horse, be on the edge of the mountain. I saw somebody get hit by like a deer and thrown off a mountain. I'm Dude. like, you could do the most random shit in this game. Yeah, like you, 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 like if you just walk, like if you walk into a town and you can just listen and people, shit just happens all around you. And it's not like canned animations where like the same things are said or the same things happen. Like things just happen. Like randomly, a dude will just go flying out a window, or <laughs> a dude will be beating his chick, or a guy you overhear some people talk about robbing a bank, and then then you can like go play dominoes, or you can go hunt, or like. I've already been sidetracked. I've only been through like three missions. I'm just riding horses and beating up people. Like, and I and it's just it's so immersive. And it's they say the game's like sixty hours, and I've got like a bunch of other games to play. And yeah, this thing is about to take over my life yeah. for real. So once I, I need to buckle down. I just finished Spider Man. I've gotten back into uh, MLB the Show just because the Red Sox winning the World Series fucked me all up. So I had to go back in, play as my Yankees, make some more really outrageous trades. Get Manny Machado and beat up on the Red Sox. So I'm in the middle of like a new franchise in that. But I'm going to come back around, get Red Dead Redemption, and probably ruin my entire November. So I'll be playing that soon. Um, let's dive into the show, the shit we actually have scheduled to talk about. Uh, the first thing up that we're supposed to talk about, first and foremost, fuck Kanye. Uh, fuck whoever rides with him. I can't, I can't do it anymore, Dre. The apologies... <laughs> Every week, it's an apology, and then every Friday, he sees Trump on TV or gets invited by Trump, and he's MAGA man again. I, I can't do it. I can't, I'm not going to be stupid, but so many people online are being stupid. They're like, oh, no, give him another chance. Oh, people can change. He recognized that he was getting played, and they were using him. I swear to God, you said this like eight episodes ago, at the least. It, everyone can see it. How could he not see that he was being played? Dog, I don't care. Like, when I, <laughs> man, when I tell you that I don't care, like, I saw the apology, and I, I didn't tweet anything about it, because I don't care. Because I, I, nothing even, not, he's just, he's stupid. So, yeah, like, now he feels like so many people have talked, like, I finally... Old Dre, Dre would have penned an op-ed about that. You would have yeah. gave him some fire. But I did that like a year ago. Like I, I don't have time for that shit anymore. So like I finally got through the uh, the Pusha T episode on the Joe Budden, the Stephen Victor episode of the Joe Budden podcast. Yeah, because it's just three hours long. Yeah, mad long. But Pusha talking about his differences with Kanye, and it's just like I'm listening, and I'm just like, I just I can't, man. Like at a certain point, like if I like if it were you, like, if it was you, and every week you were talk, talking about like abolish Thirteenth Amendment and Brexit and you know Republicans were black first and a bunch of dumb shit. Which while the Republicans were black first is true, but you got to understand why parties switch. Kanye, does, he's never read a book, clearly. So it's like <laughs> I, I don't, I just don't have time for stu- stupidity. I just, I, I don't. It's not. I can't do it. 
I can't between him and Trump. Like I, I just can't do it because otherwise it'll just ruin your life because that's the only thing you think about. Well, Instead, I'd rather watch wrestling, play video games, um, watch the NBA season. Um, horror and, shit, horror movies. Horror movies, yes. And you know, I pay attention to like community th- stuff, but I, man, I just can't indulge so much time in that because it just makes me depressed. Yeah, listen, I can I can ignore Kanye. I'm at that point again. It's like, okay, he said some dumb shit. Let me go back to ignoring Kanye. The, the Trump stuff I can't ignore because that's kind of part of my work in which he says dumb shit every now routinely, even more so than before. He said some dumb shit this morning that that just had me just I don't forgot what the fuck it is. Oh, he's trying to get rid of like if you're born here, you're no longer a citizen. If your parents weren't citizens, like I. Oh. Right? Some shit that's not even constitutionally correct. Like, he can't abolish that rule. He just makes shit up. But I feel like, Kanye, how, how dumb do you have to be to follow behind someone that dumb? Becomes my question. Like, he he's... Drake, can Kanye be saved? Everything else aside, fuck what he said. Can he right the ship? Can he go back to being just a creative... As he said, which is what you said from the get-go, he's not smart, he's not anything, he's creative. Can he go back to just being a creative, make, you know, the sequel to College Dropout series, and everything's forgiven? No, man, no. No. You, it, I mean, not that he's done so much damage, but that part of his life, like the College Dropout era, is gone. Like, Nas can't make Illmatic again. Jay-Z can't make Reasonable Doubt. Like, Kanye can't make College Dropout again. It's such a, it's so far in his rearview mirror, he probably doesn't even remember it. That's like, and, and who he is is just who he is. And I, I want to make a point here that Donald Trump's not dumb. He's not stupid. He says stupid shit, but he's not stupid. He just says stupid shit, but he's not. I got you. Well, well he, I mean, and this is, like I've said that all the time. That makes sense, though. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not worried about Trump as much as I'm worried about the people that follow Trump. And like as we've seen, the guy mailing the packages, the bombs. Yeah. As we've seen, the guy, you know, people who run up and shoot up places. And I mean, the people who follow Trump, the white supremacists that are, are emboldened by Trump, those are the people I worry about. Kanye, on the other hand, is a fucking idiot. And there's, there's two different things. Trump's not stupid. He's catering to a base that will blindly support him no matter what he does. Kanye is not catering to anybody. He's just saying wild, stupid shit. He's just not... A smart guy. So, but with that being said, the the Kanye creative Kanye when he was just making music made college dropout. Kanye is no longer just making music. He lost his mother. He married a Kardashian. He's got like ugly ass Yeezys. Um, <laughs> he sells T-shirts for one hundred fifty dollars. White uh, tees, like, like like bodega white tees. Yeah, like like he is so far gone from being that creative. It's like when when I first started writing. I could write like three album reviews in like two days because I ain't have shit else to do. So all I did was sit there and listen to albums on repeat all day so I could churn out reviews. So I didn't have no problem doing that. But now I don't have that kind of time. Me having a daughter and a family and my jobs and shit, I can't write or do things the way that I used to. Kanye absolutely can't. He doesn't have the mental capacity to do it, nor does he have the time. He's in a different space. College dropout Kanye, RIP. Um, okay, I got to pull you deeper into the sunken place. More stupid shit that I saw go on this week. I, I know you're a busy man. You got 18 jobs. Your daughter is sick. But I know you saw this this young black chick on Dr. Phil wilding out, saying that she is a white woman 
and that her skin does not make her black. Tell me you saw this. Yes, I saw it. <laughs> Dre is just acting a fool. Is being black and being anti-black the new cool? Uh, yes, it makes you the most money. I think it was last week I just talked about how Ann Coulter is like a WWE superstar with a personality that's just turned up and she don't believe half the shit she says. Yeah. Black people are just as dangerous now because there is a market for African-Americans who are willing to speak out against other African-Americans. Some do believe it. But then you have some people like Jason Whitlock who you watch and then you see them do things and like, man, he's just really taking advantage of the system. Because he, he's paid. He's, it's cash to coon. Like, that's the new thing. We're, we're cash to coon. You know, it's like cash for gold. But if you coon, you get money. So if you're Jason Whitlock, you get, like, Jason Whitlock's paid more than both of us combined. Easy. Jason Whitlock makes <laughs> a lot of money. Like, Megyn Kelly was making, what, $69 million? Yeah. For so, saying dumb shit. So to be, to be that level, to, to be against African-Americans, there's a market for it. Like, Candace Owens, like... There are going to be more people who follow in that path. So that black girl, whether she truly believes it or not. Treasure. Like, her name is Treasure. She said well, I mean, she's she was, a Caucasian woman and her name is Treasure. Yo, I, uh, this, if people haven't heard this, give them quick time. Here, we're going to play some of it. I know a lot of people take issue with my beliefs. I'm white. I'm a Caucasian because... Everything about me is different from an African-American. I have naturally straight hair. My hair isn't nappy. It doesn't require weave. My nose is not giant. It's like African-Americans. My lips are perfect. They're not too big and they're not too small. They're just perfect. My ears, I don't have black people ears because they're really giant. Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. Most African-Americans speak ghetto. But when it comes to black people, I think they're all ugly and I have nothing in common with them. I'm different from African-Americans because I'm white. My figure is just like Kim Kardashian and she's a wonderful role model. I think like a white person instead of a black person. I believe that I'm completely and um, utterly better than them. Like we're on two different levels. Like, okay, African-Americans are here, I'm here. White people act and think just way more mature than African-Americans. Black people, they think in a criminal way. Get the fuck out of here. When I think about African-Americans, I feel like asking them, what is wrong with them? They're really dangerous. If African-American is on the same street as I am, I'll cross the street to avoid their chaotic, thuggish way. Shut your fucking mouth, you'll do nothing. You'll do fucking nothing. Not one of you will do nothing. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. I tell my mom I'll never be like any of those Negroes. My mom tries to criticize me about my supposed race. I tell her she's just ignorant. There's nothing wrong with my views or beliefs because I have freedom of speech and everything I'm saying is true. All right, now that we've gotten through all that, you guys have heard it. Treasure with naturally straight hair, she says. I, I look at this girl and in no way do I mean to be disrespectful, but she looks like RG3 in the face. Like, how is she even thinking this? And as a mother, how do you bring your daughter on this show? Whether if you need money, you want to be the next catch me outside girl, whatever the sh shit may be. How do you bring your daughter on this show and let her parade this silliness around? 
I mean, people just want to be on TV, man. People like, call their transracial. This headline in Ebony said, transracial, Dr. Phil yeah. Guest. Yeah. This is a thing? Am I being a trans racist? I'm, I'm so I mean, confused. This is... <laughs> like, I, do, man? am I politically incorrect right now? Am I the problem, Dre? She's transracial. Like, this is a real thing. Uncle Ruckus it's... was before his time. Yeah. Of course. He was misunderstood. He was just transracial. So it's it's just people want to do like the most controversial shit gets on television. Like if you get up and do good things in your community and you like feed the homeless and nobody pays attention to that. But if I were to go like over some old black woman's house and smack her ass and tell her that she should go back to slavery because I'm white, that should be all over the news. And I'd probably have a TV show. You probably would. You'd be. It's the real life epitome of uh, the Chappelle skit, where yeah. the guy was in the KKK but clearly black. It's, Chappelle predicted everything. By the way, Chappelle and the Simpsons predicted everything in this world. Shit's crazy. She's white, right? I can't believe this. Like when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, buddy!" But this shit sells. She blew up. She might be, that segment might be more popular than the Cash Me Outside girl. As far as like, as quick as it blew up. Man, I thought. She gonna get a record deal. You gonna have to be covering her albums, doing album reviews on, on Treasure. She gonna be singing. Yo. (laughs) She gonna be the next, oh, the the next great white singer. Treasure. Yeah, I, I hope she, yo, she could be the next Taylor Swift. If Cash Me Outside could be the next Cardi B or Nicki Minaj, she'd be the next Taylor Swift. You never know, Dre. This might be in your future. I'm just preparing you, making sure you got that background knowledge uh, ready to go for it. Uh, talk, talking about Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. The beef is squashed. Don't care. You don't care? Is, is, is hip hop beef beef if it's not on wax? You didn't listen to the podcast, right? We're podcasters. You didn't listen to uh, Nicki Minaj's podcast. No, what is the I, name no, of this? No, no, <laughs> no I, don't, I don't have time, man. I don't have time for that shit. <laughs> you just listened to three hours of Joe Butter podcast. Like, that was like multiple tracks. And I'm actually like sometimes interested in Joe. Yeah, no, that, he's actually not making a good name right Nicki. now. Like, I'm not interested in a rapper. Like, I'm not interested in an active rapper having yeah. podcasts. Queen Radio. What is she now going to podcast about? This is my fear. The beef is done. What are we tuning in to listen to Nicki Minaj talk about? Like, unless she starts doing a tell-all, I want to know, like, what year you got your ass shots. I want to know who exactly penned those first albums who were very good. How much did Safari really matter? Like, you got to start telling me shit like that. Because without that, I have no reason to come back. Dog. I when I I honestly don't care. I don't care about the beef. I don't care about. I don't care. It doesn't move me unless until they release a song. I don't care. You know what? It it moved me, Dre. It did. It moved me. It moved me to go listen to Rapsy. She dropped a new song with J Cole, which she just fucking bodies so dirty. I listened to that like five times in a row. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I listened to nothing but Rhapsody for an entire day, day and a half. And I was like, these two women are arguably arguing over 
being the best female rapper in the game when they're nowhere even near the best female rapper in the game. No, not even close. Rhapsody is doing shit. Like after I listened for like a day and a half, I re-listened to everything several times over. Few people, few women have ever been able to spit like her. Where it no. transcends she's one of she might be one of the top five talent wise rappers right now. Man, woman, otherwise. Doesn't matter. Yeah, She's I, that good right now. I've been saying this for a long you time. You were ahead of the bandwagon. <laughs> like, I've been saying for a long time. Like, Rhapsody is... She's a talent unlike any... Like, you know, there's some people that say, like, she's the female Kendrick Lamar. And it's kind of unfair to do that to her. But I think what a lot of people are just saying is that she's the best female rapper. Period. Like, before Rhapsody, I think... At the time, my favorite female MC, which I don't like even calling female MC, is my favorite rapper who happened to be a woman was Jean Grey. Like, I was I about loved, to say, Jean Grey was super dope. Yeah, I like the Phoenix album with, with uh, Ninth Wonder is fucking amazing. Uh, but what Rhapsody's accomplished, her body of work, and with Layla's Wisdom, and this joint that she just put out with J. Cole, and everything that she's done, like she rarely ever comes up short on a verse. She delivers all the time. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, women in hip hop are still stuck in this place where it's like pop star sex. Like men in hip hop have advanced. And it's it's weird. Like I know people will say that hip hop's in a worse place now than it was 15 years ago. But 15 years ago, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, they wouldn't have been anywhere near the top of the charts. Yeah, that's, of, that's of, not true at all. We had Laffy Taffy 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, but every era has their bullshit. Right. And I'm not saying like this era, like this is not the worst era. This is the most accessible era. So you like cats like J. Cole and K. Dot and, you know, even even, you know, even with Mac Miller, when, he, you know, got rest of soul. But even when he was around, like those guys wouldn't have had a space in 2003. No. Right. So now that they do, it's like now we're hearing so many different uh styles from MCs. Like if you like Young Thug or if you like Cole or if you like Kendrick or whoever whatever you like or if you like Drake or if you like Push. Like there's an avenue where you can listen to all of them. And they actually do pretty well. Whereas the women, it's Nikki and Cardi, which is kind of like the same kind of shit. Mm. And then there's Rhapsody. Rhapsody's not really selling records like that. You know what I'm saying? But she's she got nominated for a Grammy. And she has the best album by a female probably since Jean Grey's Phoenix. And, and Layla's Wisdom, I think, is better than that. And her Crown EP was phenomenal. So women in rap are still stuck in this weird space where it's like, if you ain't sexy enough, you ain't selling. If you ain't selling sex to a certain degree, or if you're not selling pop music. Like, I just watch, I watch, like, bits and pieces of the BT Hip Hop Wars because I'm on DVR, I need to clear that shit. Yeah. So I was like, hey, <laughs> let me fast forward through this. And then I watch Cardi's performance, and I'm just like, yo, I, I, you know, I'm happy that she's where she's at. Like, she's been able to be successful from going to struggling to the pole to loving hip-hop to becoming a rapper. I'm happy that she's made her way, but there are better rappers than her. Oh, hands and, down. So it's cool. It's but cool. Queen Cardi, yeah, she's just a movement. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's fun to see her. It's like, I'll put it like this. It's like Tiffany Haddish. I like Tiffany Haddish, mm -hmm. but the fact that we treat her like she's the greatest female comedian of all time or in recent memory is wild to me. I don't find her that funny, but I, I like her as a person. Is that weird? But, that, that's, but that's the thing. That's the same thing with Cardi B. I like them as people. And I think Tiffany Haddish is funny, but she's, not, she's having her wave right now. 
So it's like I, I have I don't want to take away from what Cardi B has accomplished. Just like I'm not taking away from Tif- what Tiffany Haddish is doing. But there's still a weird space where it's like one at a time. Like women rappers are just still one at a time. And that's got to stop, man. They need to chill out with that. Yeah, I mean, there just has to be more diversity in women's rap. And I think we're getting to that place, regardless if they sell, if they don't sell. But, you know, for every, you know, Cardi B that breaks, it was nice to see a young MA break. You know, where it's like, yo, that's so different from a female rapper. And it got nudged into pop culture for a second. Now, she's been releasing actually dope songs. I, I like a lot of her new music. It just hasn't cracked, you know? So right. that they, they don't continue to push it. But it's nice to know, okay, that type of artist is out there. The Rhapsodies is out there. Um, there's a couple other female artists I've been hearing just, just coming around the way more. And on Twitter and everything, they'll be like, yo, this is actually pretty dope. So it's like women are spitting. It's just the, the platform's not there yet. I was wondering, I was like, yo, what, what made Missy so successful then? Because she wasn't, even though, like, going back and listening, okay, some of her songs did have a sexual overtone. Like, is that why she crossed over more so than, like, her looks? It was still, the content was kind of sex-based? No, like, Missy, I think, is different. Because Missy, it was more of an aesthetic. Like, Missy wasn't, like, a great rapper, per se. But she was a very, very good artist. She was a great producer. She could sing. And, I mean, she had joints that just flat-out slapped. Like she had, she had joints, like she was mad creative. So she occupied that space where it was, it was a little bit different. Like people treated her like she was androgynous or whatever, even though she was a woman. But that's the key. Like she, she didn't fall into that. She never had to be the one woman at that time. No, no one even looked at her in that category. No, she was a very unique talent. So she didn't, for whatever reason, people wouldn't put her in the same space as like a Little Kim or a Foxy Brown or Lauren Hill or any of them. She was in her own box. Like Missy, like I never was like huge on Missy's rhymes, but her artistry was always extremely dope. Like the things that she could accomplish, like her music videos and the fact that she, I mean, she could dance her ass off. Like she was dope. So it's, it's a different space, but it's just, it's just where we are. Like Nikki, like the thing about Nikki is Nikki can rap. I say this all the time. Nikki can rap. But she just sticks to this bullshit poppy subject matter that's just weak. And she had, she lacks substance. Like, the difference between Rhapsody and a lot of these other women, like, if you listen to Layla's Wisdom, like, she's got concepts. She's got themes. She's got... And then she can rhyme. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, Nicki can rap, but she doesn't rap about shit. About being a, a, a pop star in, in a spaceship. <laughs> in a spaceship. Word, that, that's about it. Um, that's, that's crazy, but that's so true. She, that's her, that's her content. I got a big butt. I'm putting it on someone's face. I'm in a spaceship. That, that's pretty much the the gist of where she goes right now. Um, all right, let's finally, finally make the turn into combat sports. We have MMA coming up this weekend. UFC 230. It feels like it crept up on me. I don't know. The build doesn't seem that big, but the main event was announced, what, four weeks ago? Three and a half weeks ago? So I don't know what I was expecting. Um, But the Black Beast versus Daniel Cormier will run down some of the the major fights on this card. But first, one, shout out to the Black Beast today for when being asked in the Q&A, what do you eat on fight week? And responding, if my wife is here, I eat her ass. 
incredible off the cuff remark. Like, like this guy is a a gem. I, it's sad that he has to lose this weekend. Yeah, no, I mean he's a national treasure. I mean, if we go back to when I was working at Champions and we went and shot with him and we had the, uh, the again sophisticated before your time Derek on Lewis. that, yeah, that you yeah, were ahead of the it, curve. You know, yeah, and I saw it, man, because the dude's just got a crazy personality, man, and it's like that's what makes superstars. Um, that's why he's got this title opportunity. So, yeah, more power to Derek Lewis, but yeah, he's going to lose this weekend. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's a damn shape. Um, that and DC saying no matter what, he is calling it quits in March and not, not even entertaining the notion of running it back with John Jones. Do you believe it? No. Um, You're like Dana White then. It's like everyone says that until the money shows up. Yeah, see, like, there's a couple things. Like, when we had Media Day here in Vegas, D.C., and um, I had asked him. Uh, and it was just because he, he talked about his moment with Brock Lesnar in the Octagon. And I was like, and I asked him, I was like, yo, would you, would you consider being on, on WWE programming uh, to promote the fight? And he was like, no, I wouldn't promote the fight, but I have an audition to do commentary. So that was my story. That was yeah. my thing. And everybody ran with it. That's why I hate asking questions in scrums. <laughs> You've um, always been like an old crotchety man about asking scrum questions. So I hate Since it. I met you. They just steal your shit. And, you know, that's just what they do. People just take your question and they write the story and they only have to credit you. They'll just say, at a scrum, such and such was said. I'd never ask questions. Like, I've been asked by so many people in UFCPR, why don't I, I talk at the post-fight press conference? It's because you're going to steal my answer. Like, <laughs> if you're going to write it, you're going to put it on MMA Junkie, and then you're going to say, he said it at the press conference. No, motherfucker. I asked the question. So that's what happened with DC. But DC clearly has a future that he wants in WWE. Like, he wants to be on commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's a, but there's this competitive side of him that... If John Jones gets the light heavyweight title, which people expect him to do against Gustafson, and DC fights Brock and DC beats Brock, to if if there is enough money on the table, I would see DC fighting again because it's the one that got away. He can't. I I can't see him. It, let, it's a it's a rough way to go though, Dre. Like. You you just got head kicked and cried again. Do you want the last image of you being you knocked out and crying? Is it worth trying to? Is it worth the reward of being the first person to beat John Jones? That's what it comes down to. Yes, yes. Because I mean, DC is a competitor. He's not scared to fight. He's no. a competitor. Yeah. So, of course, he wants to win that fight. Like, there's no person in their right mind that's going to sit there and just say, well, it's cool. I'm just going to go out on my shield. But if John, if the opportunity presents itself and the money is there, I know DC's tired. Like, it's just like when I was with Floyd and I could see that Floyd was tired of training. The buildup to a fight was what was wearing Floyd down. But then you put, like, $200 million in front of him in an easy fight. He went and took it. Floyd's different. <laughs> Floyd doesn't fight because he wants to be competitive. Floyd fights for money. DC still has a competitive bone in his body that still believes he could beat John Jones. So if that opportunity presents so absolutely he's going to fight again. But right now, yeah, he's going to say he's retired. That's, that's what he believes. Just we don't believe him. No, and it's only going to make him more money. So it's not like that bad of a stance to take, right? Because if you say you're retired and they got to pull you out of retirement, they're just going to pay you more. Um, 
we're going to go through the 230 card real quick and make predictions. But first, there was a UFC card last weekend, uh, UFC in Canada. It was Moncton. Um, a couple fights on there. Your boy, Patrick Cummins, fought. No, that's your boy. <laughs> you pick him to win all the time. I'd no, hell no. I'm never picking him to win again. I haven't picked him to win in like three years. And uh, I'm burning those episodes where I was very high on Patrick Cummins. Early on in this podcast. Early early on. So, uh, Serkinov submitted him quickly and easily to get on the winning track. Michael Johnson took on Arden Lobov and Michael Johnson won. That's no surprise, right? Um, Artem, you think Artem's getting cut? Not as long as uh, the, as long as Conor McGregor is breathing, it's going to be hard to get rid of Artem. Okay, well, I mean, it seems like Kavanaugh has a pretty good working relationship with Bellator, and maybe Artem can compete a little bit better over there. This is not true. There's a lot of young dudes over there at that weight that are just fucking killers. So that's not necessarily easy either. Um, and then main event: Vulcan Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. Very impressive by Anthony Smith. Um, a guy who's taking his lumps in MMA, 31 and 13, a lot of fights, a lot of losses, taking out a guy in Vulcan Ozdemir who is just on, I mean, loses to DC and now Anthony Smith. Like, he has three losses. One slip up before then, the guy is good. And to finish him in the third round shows a lot. Uh, how far can Anthony Smith go? Is he a legit contender? Is he a legit threat to a guy like John Jones? He's a threat. Um, I mean, so I, I say this a lot. MMA is a lot different than boxing. Boxing is you start your career, you go on a run, and when you lose, it's pretty much over. Like most guys, once you like, you go fifty-two and zero on some fluffed-up record, and you get your brains knocked in, and then it's it's over. MMA is different because there's so many different ways to lose. I think I think what we're learning now is. You suck when you're young. Yes. It's, 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 it's made for people in their 30s. Yeah, like, un, uh, unless your name is John Jones, you're going to lose. Max Holloway lost, and now look at him. Mm-hmm. So Anthony Smith, as a middleweight, he struggled. I mean, shit, look at Robbie Lawler and the run that he had after being damn Like, he was, he, the UFC just took his contract because they bought Strike Force, and they were just like, well, shit, fuck it, we'll just keep him. And then motherfucker becomes champion. So, MMA is just different. Guys click at different times. They figure it out. They go on runs. Mark Hunt was a guy who still has a relatively pedestrian record when you look at it, but every now and then it clicks, and then you just, and you just kick some ass. Anthony Smith moving up to 205 has become incredibly dangerous. He's found a new wrinkle in his game. He's, he's always been an extremely violent type kind of guy, but he's a little bit more poised. And it seems like as you get older, you learn, I might lose. And I think that changes how people fight. Yeah. Like, once you, in your mind you think, like, boxers, I talked to so many boxers about this, and I asked them about, like, I just talked to Demetrius Andrade, and I was like, when you fight, do you ever think you can lose? He's like, no. Go ask an MMA fighter that. They think about losing all the fucking time because they probably lost. Yeah, like Gaethje. So, he goes yeah, into like, every fight thinking. So, you, you, as you mature, you learn how to pace yourself. You learn that you just can't blow everybody out. You learn you have to be cerebral. So Anthony Smith is a guy like in a relatively thin division and just beat the number two contender. Yeah, he should be in the title title picture next year, early next year. He if John Jones beats Gustafson and John doesn't fight Cormier next or move up to heavyweight, he needs to fight Anthony Smith. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, the guy has earned it. 
Um, and we've been wanting new blood in this division. So he's he's new blood. He, he's worked his way up and through the ranks. And you're right. You know what? MMA is a lot like pitching. And in baseball, you come out and you're a flamethrower, right? Like you throw 97, 98, 99, and that gets you hot and you get on a run through like three or four years. They give you a monster contract. And then that flame starts to lessen and that power goes down. And then you suck for maybe a year or two. Or you just go through, you know, your ups and downs for a year or two. Like Kershaw is doing that right now. Where, you know what? That fastball is tailing more towards 92, 93. David Price went through the same shit. It lowered. And then you learn, you know what? I can't just blow by everyone. Let me learn how to pitch. Let me pace myself. Let me work the corners. Let me do this. And then they pick it right back up. And you look at a guy like Justin Verlander. Who miraculously is amazing again. And it's because you, you go through these these flows in your career. And MMA is the same. You come out of a box. You're a 20-year-old phenom. 21, 22, 23. It looks like you're unbeatable. Then you lose for like three years. Up and down. Lose one. Win one. Lose one. Win one. Then you come back. You look up. You're 28, 29. And you're right back in the title hunt. And it looks like you're damn near unbeatable. Tyron Woodley's another good case of that. Have he hasn't had a competitive fight in three, four years. Before then, every fight was competitive. Well, Tyrants had quite a few competitive fights. Uh, the Wonder Boy fights were pretty competitive. Oh, okay, the first one. The, the, the second one. They both, they both were competitive. It he, wasn't like he knocked him on his ass. I mean, he didn't take much punishment, if we're being honest. It was a chess match, but it wasn't like... They were competitive fights. Those it wasn't like Robbie... It wasn't like um, the Roy McDonald fight. Um, the fight he had against the Natural Born Killer. Like, those were like, you're damn near losing fights. Or you well, lost. Well, that's different. Losing versus competitive. He's okay, having competitive so they were fights. competitive. But they, he hasn't been in danger of losing. How about that? Uh, in okay, quite some time. Um, since, I mean, that one fight I can think of, that Wonder Boy fight, and then the knockdown saved him. Um, I'll say, hey, he hasn't been in danger of losing in quite some time. He, people just hit these streaks where it's just amazing. Daniel Cormier, outside of John Jones, this guy is amazing. He's done it all 30-plus. Yeah. The entire career has been 30-plus. Like, it's hard to fathom, but that's the way MMA is. The the prime in MMA isn't like the prime in other sports. So we're about to see a guy like Greg Hardy enter the octagon and start at 29. People are looking at him like he's kind of old. He's just about to hit his prime. He's losing his... He's at the tail end of an NFL prime and the very beginning of an MMA prime. How incredible is that? So, I mean, that's how MMA works. And plus, like, people say, you know, you got to start early. But actually, if you start later, you have less wear and tear on your body. Yeah, you seem to be a little healthier to fight more. And, and it takes a lot of time to learn all the disciplines. That's why I always say that the true strider is in the 30s. Because you can be a specialist and really good at what you do and specialize in your early 20s. Like Conor McGregor and have that one knockout punch. And he should ride you through your 20s and you're great. But sooner or later, you're going to have to be well-rounded. And it, the amount of time it takes to learn how to become a good enough wrestler to defend yourself against the specialists like Khabib and uh, Damian Myers and all, it, it takes you until you're like 30-something of constantly owning your craft in these other areas. So it, it's crazy. And we see people like John Jones buck the trend. But outside of him, you know, everyone else kind of, they, they hit that rough patch in the 20s. Um, so we'll see. That'll be an interesting fight. Let's go through UFC 230 uh, main card. 
we don't gotta go through everything else. The undercard's okay, but nothing to write home about. Um, Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. Woof! Adesanya is getting a big bump up in competition. Uh, Israel's gonna win. I mean, we've seen Derek Brunson. I've seen good fights out of Derek Brunson. What do you like? Derek Brunson's well rounded. It's a big step up in competition. Derek Brunson mm-hmm. was just in the. He's in the top ten, I believe. He was damn yeah. near top five not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, it is, but um, I yep. think Derek Brunson is going to come in this fight thinking that he's the Derek Brunson that was like knocking people out for a second, and <laughs> then he'll forget that Israel Adesanya is a much better striker. Hopefully, his team reels him in and says, "Look, man, you're a wrestler, so put him on his back." But if they don't, like, he's gonna get he's gonna get hurt. He's gonna get hurt. Um, cause like Derek Brunson is very similar to Adesanya's last fight, which was against Brad Tavares and Adesanya. So will be a lot in the Tavares fight. So it's a matter of him getting put on his back and you have to pretty much win a decision. I don't see Brunson knocking him out. So I think Brunson, he, he wants to prove something. He's going to throw hands. He's going to get caught and, uh, probably go night, night at some point in this fight. Ooh, predicting the KO. Okay. Um, it is definitely a showcase fight for Adesanya and the guy talks it. He has a superstar quality to him. And this is the first in, in, in a line of fights where I think it's leading to him being a headliner of of a card soon. And then once you do that, we see, you know, with guys like Connor, it, it only takes two or three fights and you in the title picture if you're the right guy. So that's a division that's kind of been moving slowly um, lately. What we had Bisping, the champion this time last year. In the division before then, it was a hot potato. Weidman to shit. I don't even remember who was the champion after that. Me and Rockhold. Rockhold, yeah, and then Bisping, and then GSP, and then Whitaker. So it, it it's a division in a year's time, year and a half's time that's seen five, six different champions, which is crazy. So it takes a hot second. You could be right up there. Um, Carl Roberson versus Jack Marshman. I don't care about the fight. I don't the care fight either. that I do care about that's on the undercard is uh, the uh, Sarge Eubanks versus Roxanne Modafferi, which is actually pretty interesting. Cause well, Sarge... Eubanks was almost in the title fight. Exactly. And now she ends up against Modafferi, which is which a lot of people are like, is disrespectful, but it's not an easy fight. I don't know where, why people think that she's just going to roll over Roxanne like it's nothing. And that's not the case. She might Did they not the fight, fight in the house? No, they didn't. Because I thought Roxanne was her replacement. Roxanne was, yes, but they were on the different sides of the bracket. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure about that. So that's an appealing fight. and I I mean, Eubanks has been good, but can she make weight? That's my question. She struck, like, if anybody who watched the Ultimate Fighter, I don't know who watches. Like, I haven't watched a single episode of the new season, by the way. I haven't watched it all. I'm going to go to the finale, so I'll watch the championship. Yeah, I'll be there too. But the point is, is that like that was probably the last season where I watched every episode, and Sarge struggled every time she needed to make weight, and then she had, and that's like in a two week turnaround. Then she gets like four months off, and then couldn't make weight for a title fight. So I don't know if she's making weight, and if she does, I don't know what kind of condition she's going to be in. So that's the fight I'm really interested in. I'm not worried about the other fight you just talked about. Yeah, she has to move up if she can't make weight this time. Um... Lando Venata is actually the headliner on the fight pass, which Lando's always fun to watch. So yeah. either he's going to be knocked out or he's going to do so, some knocking out. So that's, that's going to be a good fight to watch. Uh, David Branch versus uh, Jared Cornier. 
Cannoneer. Uh, Jared Cannoneer is, me. yeah. The you only reason the fight's happening is because, uh, you know, the whole situation with uh, uh, Jacques Ray getting yeah. pulled off. It was supposed to, yeah, it should have been Jacques Ray against David Branch. Uh, Branch should win this fight. Cannoneer is, you know, he's got pretty good hands, but that's about it. Branch is still a solid fighter, so it is what it is. Yeah, and they keep David Branch on the card, which is the biggest thing, letting him fight in New York. Um, I got a boy in New York who I grew up with, Bash, who trains at the same gym, um, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all that shit. So says he's a great guy. So people in New York definitely going to come out and support him. Uh, we have Chris Wyman versus Jacare Salsa. Oh, let's see. To, to me, this is a fight that should have happened a long time ago, right? People, yes. People thought this for a while. I think Weidman wins. Um, but man, this is going to be tough. Jacare is just a tough guy to get out of there. And he'll wrap your ass up in a pretzel if you make a mistake. So it's going to be a competitive fight. Uh, you think maybe as competitive as the Rockhold fight, if not even a little better, because it gives different possibilities. We haven't seen it before. Um, Weidman needs this fight. Because if Gastelum comes out and for some reason wins the title, with a win here, Weidman is automatically the number one contender. Yes, because he's already beat him. Yeah. Um, Rockhold was a bad style matchup for Chris Weidman. I said that years ago. Rocco could beat pretty much anybody when he's on his game. Jacare is an interesting fight because I don't think Chris Weidman's the old Chris Weidman. And he's like, Gegard almost got him out of there. Uh, Rocco obviously did get him out of there. And he beat Gaston. But Gaston was kind of just moving up in weight. Um, maybe he wasn't as strong as he needed to be. I'm picking Jacare to win this fight. Um, because... I know. Hopefully, these two don't think they're, they're strikers and throw hands. That'll probably get Jacare fucked up. However, <laughs> if it becomes if it becomes a grappling match and not a wrestling match, if Weidman is not trying to hold Jacare down and tries to grapple with him, I think Jacare can win this fight. I think Jacare could find a way to win this fight. Um, I don't exactly know how, because like if Weidman wants to hold him down, he's going to win a decision. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jacare because I just I don't think Weidman's the same guy anymore. See, I, the injuries might have caught up to him, but I, I'm going off of what I saw in the Robert Whitaker fight. And if your sprawl is good enough and you can stuff those takedowns, Jacare looks lost. And Whitaker, damn near one of the only guys to ever do that to Jacare. But once Jacare knew there's no way I'm getting this guy on the ground, it was just feasting time for Robert Whitaker. And he picked him apart. I think Chris Weidman... Obviously, his wrestling is top-notch. And I think he can sprawl and brawl long enough to, to make Jacare, you know, just uncomfortable. It's only a three-round fight, not a five, which, which is huge. And I think Chris can win two out of those three just by not being taken down and trading hands. I, I agree with you. Like, if that Weidman comes out, I don't think he necessarily makes it easy. But he's better in all the other areas of this, yeah. aside from Jacare being really good on the ground. But you got to sprawl. You got to sprawl your ass off. Yeah, I just, I just don't. Again, I just don't know what Weidman has left. It just something just feels off about him to me, and I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't seem like the same guy. Could be totally wrong, um, but I'm just gonna go out on him and pick Jacare. He just feels like an old 34. Yeah, he just seems weathered, like he's been through it, and like again, the gay guard fight. It's just watching that fight, and then you know Romero like kneeing his brains into the next millennium. Like there's. 
those fights, it just makes me really concerned with where he's at. So That fight was actually competitive, though. It was tied going into the round and then lights out. It was, but then you lose fights like that and they, they do damage to your career. Yeah. Like, some guys just don't really recover the same. It could be totally, again, could be totally wrong, but we'll see. Um, Cormier Lewis, we both think Cormier is going to win. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, the only way Black Beast can win is by landing a really, really well-placed right hand. Like, I mean, that's it. The problem with Derek Lewis, as much as I like him, and it's the same thing that happened with the Kralov fight. It was, it was exactly what I said. If you trade hands with Derek Lewis, he's going to catch you because there's really no technique behind what he throws. Like, he doesn't really set up his strikes. Daniel Cormier is way too smart for this shit. Yeah. Like, and he won't be in a position where if he's winning the fight, he's like, yo, let's have fun and throw hands. Like, Cormier is going to wrestle, yep. wrestle the hell out of him. He's going to wear him down. He's not going to put himself in a position where he can get caught. If and he you does, can't be tired against Daniel Cormier. Rumble Johnson showed that. That was a, the epitome of If you're tired against Cormier, he's not going to let you get out of the round. He's not going to lay it. He's going to finish you. Yeah, so, yeah, like there's people out there like, man, it's, it's a lot tougher fight. Yeah, it's a tough fight. I mean, Derek Lewis deserves the opportunity. Like, yeah. I was one of the first people that said that. But he doesn't do enough technically to set up that knockout punch because there's no way he's beating Cormier by a decision. And Cormier can stand around for three rounds and just run from him, and Lewis will be gassed in the fourth and fifth. So it's it's really tough sledding for him in this fight. Yeah, Cormier has the technique you need to beat a Derek Lewis. Um, to me, I saw it from a guy who's smaller than him and who wore his ass out and is nowhere near Cormier's caliber and Roy Nelson. Right. In which he just said, fuck this, we're not even throwing hands. And he can throw hands with a guy like that. We know Roy Nelson drops bonds, but he said, nope, I'm taking your big ass down and I'm wearing you out. And Derek Lewis had nothing. Um, he, he barely won that fight. Like last second again. So... Uh, I think Daniel Cormier uses a similar tactic and just wears him out, taps him. And it's short notice, so, you know, the Black Beast gets an excuse and he dares to be great. But it's not set up for him to be successful. No, uh, not at all. Um, all right, let's switch gears, go over to boxing real quick. Uh, not too much. Daniel Jacobs got a big win this past weekend. To me, he looked solid, but not as great as he's looked before. I think that's because a lot of people are taking away from what Derevchenko, how good Derevchenko is. That might be me. I, I, I didn't think, I thought this, it was not a showcase fight for Jacobs. It's obviously a, a, a title fight and a good opponent. But I didn't think, I, I, I held Jacobs up to that Triple G standard. You know, like the, the top of the top. And he he was in for one this week. I mean, dude, he he's... Him and Derevchenko have shared Andre Rozier as a trainer for many years. And so obviously they know each other very well. So it makes for an interesting fight. Um, it's, it's not a fight where you can go pretty much, like you have to come up with a different game plan because both guys have seen what each other had in sparring for multiple years. So I'm not surprised how the fight went. I didn't think that Jacobs was going to knock him out. I thought it was going to be a tough fight. Um, it was really close. But I think it speaks a lot to how good Derevchenko is. And again, these Eastern European motherfuckers can fight. Like, people forget. <laughs> like, dude, these guys from the Eastern European, they can fight. Derevchenko, yes, he's got a loss, but this ain't the end of Derevchenko. We will see him again whooping somebody's ass. So it's, it's, it was a tough fight for Jacobs. 
Uh, I don't look at it as anything wrong. I just think it puts him in position for a possible Canelo fight. Um, and maybe that's the type of thing that you want to have happen. Maybe you want to look average because then Canelo will take the fight. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's setting up for that. They got to they gotta let him and Triple G breathe. Jacobs is a great fight in the meantime. And by no means an easy fight. But Canelo, Canelo is now the one daring to be great. It, with the Jacobs win, he's really stacking that resume. Yeah, if he takes that fight. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll, we shall see because it's pretty interesting now with, with where he's at in his career and his options. Like, he can, it's a lot of people he can fight, but it's like. The money's guaranteed, right? Like, why not? Well, the money's guaranteed, but you don't want to lose either. It's like, I'm, you know, you don't want to go out there and lose to anybody. So, losing a big fight like that would do damage to his career. Especially if he wants, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how bad he wants another fight with Triple G. But, I mean, you want to win all the belts. So, there's Jacobs, there's Bubo Andre, there's, um, you know, obviously, I, somewhere along the line, I think he's going to fight David Lemieux. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. It might happen May 4th. I don't know. But, uh, Jacobs is a tough out. Really? Jacobs. I think he gets Jacob. I think Lemieux and, and Triple G got a date. Depends on where uh, he ends up. That's that's the big thing right now. In terms um, of, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Listen, man, I know you can't talk much about this. You got to be on the hush hush. I've seen reports all over the internet. I will speak for myself and for this podcast. Triple G is going to the zone. Like this shit is on. It's on the five yard line. And they're getting the the touchdown celebration ready. It's like you got Todd Gurley and you're on the two. It's damn near going to be a touchdown. It's okay. So now the middleweight division, the middleweight home of boxing is going to be the zone. Very interesting. And uh, it once again, I think it sets up perfectly for Canelo and Triple G that if they're as good as what we all think they are to get a couple more wins against high, high-level competition and run it back again. And we'll see. We'll see if it's the same favoritism towards a Canelo Alvarez when now it's a little different. Golden Boy doesn't hold as much power. They're, they're both signed to the zone. They're both making big money. Let's see if they're that same sway. That's, to me, I, I thought the second fight was a draw. The first fight was for Triple G. Let's see if the judges now call it with a clear clear eye after you know we give it some time to breathe. But that'd be one hell of a, a hell of a haul in for the zone. Um, one thing you can talk about, and you know, once again, you work there. Everyone knows this shit. But objectively, do you think in two years the zone is is the n- number one home for boxing? Mm, it's a tough call, man. I mean, it, it really depends. Uh, I know you hope it does. Get those of checks, Dre. <laughs> of course. Of course, I hope it does. You know, TBC is still a major player. Showtime with Fox is still on national television. Um, ESPN's doing their thing. Uh, you know, they still got Lomachenko. Oh, top rank, yeah, Bud Crawford. Yeah, they still, they still got Bud, and they proved they could do ratings on TV. Um, but, you know, if the zone picks up a few more fighters, I mean, the middleweight division is excellent. I just... I think that there's enough room for everybody. Like HBO and Showtime, there was enough room, um, and so I think everybody can flourish. I don't. But HBO was the home of boxing. They were the home of boxing, but then Showtime had Mayweather, and that changed everything. 
You know, it's like when all, all it really takes is a couple of fighters, and those fighters have to win. And so you, with zone, you know, it's like it's Anthony Joshua and it's Canelo. Yeah. With you know PBC, it's the goddamn welterweight division. They have everybody and Deontay Wilder. Um, and then you look at ESPN, it's Bud Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko. So it, it gets interesting because you got to see these guys win. So it's like if Anthony Joshua were to fight Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua won, then yeah, like the zone is going to be number one. So it's it's really based on the fighters and where they go and what they do. And then you got to look at all this young talent too. There's a lot of good young fighters over at the zone. We got the World Boxing Super Series uh, with guys like Ryan Martin and, you know, we got a lot of the European fighters. Uh, Josh Taylor, and you got Regis Pagrias, who had an excellent fight this weekend. Um, so I think the, the landscape is wide open, man. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any losers right now in boxing except for HBO, because HBO pulled out. Yeah, that's true. But HBO figures they have original programming and other stuff they can do. So yeah, we'll see and how I, that works out. I mean, it's a roll of dice, but we'll see. Like, I'm not mad at that decision. To a, to a degree, like they just want to invest in, like shut up and dribble and a few other things. So I'm I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Um. Then we also have Spence versus Garcia being sewn up. Um. Do you like that move for Mikey? Yeah. You, you're like always it. you're the dare to be great. Yeah. Like like Mikey. Yeah. Mikey says he wants you know he's tired of just being the best. Like okay cool, but I I think. That he's biting off a little more than he can shoot. He absolutely is. Like, he absolutely is. But how else are you going to be great if, unless you move? Like, he's in a tough spot. He's not fighting Lomachenko. He's not fighting Crawford. Um, Pacquiao's fighting Broner. And he's like, well, who the hell else can I fight? And if you really look up and down, if you look at 140, there's really nobody from there. If you look at 135, I mean, it's nobody there. No. I mean, it's, so it's, it's like, pretty much fighting the next contender at 140 and then waiting for Pacquiao and, and hoping that you can entice him after that fight. Because you're a free agent, you fight wherever the fuck you want. Yeah, like he's not fighting Pacquiao. Pacquiao ain't fighting him. Like Pacquiao wasn't fighting Crawford. Pacquiao's not fighting Mikey Garcia. So you put Mikey in a spot where it's like, well, I got to fight somebody. So I'll move up a weight class to fight the baddest man in boxing that people are saying. And it, it kind of works on the business side, too, because... Errol is a name to hardcore boxer fans and like the, the mainstream is just kind of learning who he is. And Mikey's got a pretty strong Mexican base, Mexican-American base in California. And you do this fight and the winner emerges and becomes a star. The way that these, those two guys are going right now, without, like, without Spence fighting Bud Crawford, or, and he's not fighting Sean Porter next, and he's not fighting Keith Thurman, who else is, is Errol going to fight? No one's fighting Keith Thurman. Because Keith Thurman ain't fighting. But, the, but that's like Errol needs a big fight. And a big fight is Mikey Garcia. And Mikey needs a big fight. I mean, shit. People thought, like I, I said a couple weeks ago, people thought De La Hoya was going to wash Pacquiao because he was too big. And Pacquiao destroyed him. Star-making performance. That's what made Pacquiao a superstar. Mikey needs this kind of a fight, man. He needs this kind of win. I don't even know if it turned him into a superstar. But shit, he ain't got nothing else to do. He needs to fight. Yeah, he has he has nothing to lose at that point. But you, you're right, and a, a win does change stuff. It at least puts him. You, you're at the top of 147 and 140 pounds with a win, and, and with the flexibility that these other guys don't. So if you win that, who says you can't go and fight Bud Crawford and take your belt over there? 
Like Three that's times. that's one hell of a setup. So no, I understand it. Um, I it, it's just rough because I don't think he can win that. But he's he's going to be a small welterweight going oh, against he, arguably the biggest welterweight. Yeah, he's going to be tiny fighting a guy who can easily make one fifty four and one sixty. Yeah, so, so that's that's why it's tough. Um, let's talk pro wrestling then before we get out of here. Evolution just happened, and yes, we're starting on a positive note, Dre. Um, just because you know China. Trying to not dive into the negativity that is Vincent K. McMahon right now and some of his decisions. Um, I liked Evolution as a pay-per-view. It's one of the best top-to-bottom main roster pay-per-views this year, if not the best. I don't, I don't think it had a gimmick match, but I don't think it really had a bad match all night. No. I will go on a limb and say it was the best WWE pay-per-view of the year. The only one that, that comes close is Royal Rumble. Yes. But now, see, I would say the same, but revisionist history crushes that for me. Because the the happiness I felt of Asuka and Shinsuke winning the Rumbles is gone, knowing how they just mismanaged and booked them afterwards. Well, yeah, of course. But in a vacuum, like that was the best pay-per-view of the year. But Evolution, I thoroughly enjoyed evolution yeah. so like i thought it was a fantastic pay-per-view match of the year contender i'll say it becky becky in wwe becky versus charlotte was a match of the year contender i and i say i hate last man standing matches <laughs> you that, always do because they always check way too much yeah but that was exceptional those two that should have been the main event it should have been the main event but it wasn't but everybody knows that stole the show that was in um, that was spect- and then everything else was just great because it's your first all women's pay per view, and you have matches. You know, you have some matches that you know, Ronda Rousey, Nikki Bella. You know, it, it caters to a certain audience, but then you had like, which wasn't horrible. Horrible. No, it wasn't horrible. No, um, and some you people know, are crazy saying Nikki can wrestle. She still can't wrestle. No, she can't it. wrestle. But Ronda's feats of strength. Ronda can wrestle. That I know. I do, I do have a problem with Ronda taking so much offense from Nikki though. I do have a problem. She sold to everyone so far, though. Nia no, Jax Max, like, she sold. Dark. But yes, Nia, you're supposed to sell to Nia. Alexa like, Bliss, she sold a little much to. Yeah, she didn't sell that much no, to Alexa. No, she wrecked Alexa, didn't she? Yeah, there was a I lot of shenanigans it. on the outside, but yeah, yeah, like Nikki, there was way too much offense from Nikki. But whatever, it's nitpicking. The overall, the pay per view was great. The tag match was great. The, the women's battle royal was was really fun. Like I watched that pay per view, and I wasn't like, I need to go take a piss. And I'm leaving, or I'm gonna go to the bar and grab a drink. Like I was engaged. I enjoyed that pay per view. I don't know if they'll make another one that's just like it, but that was that was great. It by, was great. By all accounts, it seems like they're bringing it back for next year, making it a yearly thing, which I think is is great. Um, there's only, and we saw that with the May Young Classic final, with the NXT Championship. The pipeline is strong for their women's wrestling. Like, people can argue New Japan, you know, has better quality than the WWE, or NXT is better than WWE. NXT might be better than New Japan, New Japan better than NXT, whatever it is. Men's-wise, you can kind of start arguing about shit. There's no argument The WWE now, top to bottom, has the best women's wrestling in the world. They have the best talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether they book that talent properly is always going to be an issue. So, because they have many masters to service, 
But yeah, I mean, Io Shirai, I mean, Tony Storm, like it's just they're they're loaded, man. And it it just looks like if they do if they book them right, it can be a lot of fun. Obviously, we saw Shayna Baszler be Kari Sane, and then we see the Horsewomen coming together. There's just there's a lot that they can do. Like it's it's wouldn't it be fun if the women just had their own show every week? Like no, like it wouldn't. I be would fun. love that. It wouldn't be fun because then they'd ruin it. So I'd rather <laughs> take it to, like it's like wouldn't it be great if NXT was like two hours every week? No, it wouldn't be because it ruin what it makes it fun. And trips we trust. Mm. Anyway, listen. Keep the, the old man's hands off of it. I'm good. I'm a 205 Live fan, Dre. You know this. As soon as yeah, it but, was given to Trips, the shit did a complete 180. They had to do something. And it's on the network. Like, if you're in, you're in. Like, that's how the network works. That's the good thing about NXT. It's like, ah, you subscribe to the network here, NXT. Like, Raw and SmackDown has a service a completely different audience. But at, at any rate, it's, yeah, the women good are... Good yeah, pay-per-view. I mean, Evolution was a great pay-per-view. We're going with Becky versus Ronda, which I'm very interested in how this is going to play out. Um, and the booking of Becky Lynch. Like, I, the, the heel turn is a fail. But the fact that she beat Charlotte, like I thought she would, says a lot about their belief in Becky Lynch. Like, she didn't just cough up the title. You, you, you're not going to like me for saying this. What? And, and it's, it's horrible. And... It's going, and it may be a goddamn kill moment. Who knows? You, you like throwing those out there for me. But I think Survivor Series is the perfect time to do the double turn. I, I think you have Ronda against Becky, and I understand clean finishes, blah, blah, blah. Becky's going to lose regardless. I think you have the four horse women with Shayna, Marina, all of them come and start beating down Becky, who is still a babyface even though they're trying to push her as a heel and you have her damn near beating Ronda and taking her to the brink. Those women jump in to beat up Becky. The crowd sympathizes with her. Ronda gets all this heat. And then you have Charlotte, uh, Sasha and Bailey come out to save Becky after Ronda cheats to win. They start beating down Becky. And then you have, you know, Charlotte and, uh, and Becky hug it out. That's the face turn. Becky goes back to being the face and super over because she is. And you build, use that to build the Ronda Heat and get her crew going. Perfect double turn. No. There you go. God. And here's why. Marina and Jessamyn Duke are not even close to being ready. But you don't got to book the four by four match yet. But, I'm just but saying. No, no, like, no. I'm just saying, like, Shayna's not even on the main roster yet. She's the NXT Women's Champion. Which gives her more clout. Ronda versus Charlotte, it's still the match to make at WrestleMania. It still is. There's no reason to turn Ronda heel right now. She's way too over as a face. There's One of them's going to have to turn heel. Why? You're going to have a face versus face at main eventing WrestleMania? Oh, you're talking about Charlotte and Ronda? Yeah. You could. I mean, like, if you... If, if the WWE, like, with the monkey wrench that Roman Reigns' leukemia has thrown into their plans... You could legitimately have Ronda versus Charlotte be the first women's match to headline WrestleMania, and it doesn't matter who yeah. the heel is. It, 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 there's no reason it shouldn't be at this point. Like, it like, should be the main event. I understand. I love AJ Styles. I love everything else. But if you're going to pull the trigger and you're going to do it, do it in a year where you're still building the other top guys. Right. So it's, it's, so to turn Ronda heel 
in like two weeks doesn't make any sense. It's like, three. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And, and Becky, I think the best thing for Becky right now is to continue being Becky and not aligning herself with the horse and staying the fuck away and being the shit-talking last kicker that she is. There's more value in that than burying I, the hatchet on two like, different shows. I do like that better than Becky Balboa. Like, I, I like, I don't give a fuck Becky a lot more. Yeah, so, so like, the whole Ronda heel turn, like, it'll happen because Ronda's, like, a natural heel. But, dude, I mean, they really got to get Baszler to the main roster. They got to get Marina and Jessamine working. They haven't even done anything yet. So I think you got, like, almost a year until Ronda turns heel. Oh, that's a long time. You got some time. Yeah, that is a, that is a long uh, time. Like, and I understand she still smiles. She does a lot of shit, but you got to cut that out. I would have minded it this weekend, but a year. It's, it's now, yeah, it's now or a year because you, you got to pull the trigger sooner or later. Like, the, the heel faction underneath her is built perfectly. They just help Marina win or they just help Shada win. Yeah, it's just like you got some time. Like, I think, I mean, post WrestleMania, if there's going to be a heel turn, it'll be after that. It won't be before that. Raw after Mania is a nice point for a heel turn. Yeah, it's like that That would be the way to go. I mean, Shane is coming up soon, it seems like. Shane is probably going to hold this title maybe until Mania, maybe before. Yeah. Um, I think Shayna might move up before then, but she might carry the belt with her, like Kevin Owens type shit. She could, but you know, but it's going to be impossible to keep her and Ronda away from each other unless they move Shayna to SmackDown, which makes even less sense because it feels like it's natural that Ronda has that crew with her. Yeah. But you know, we've got some time. But that whole Survivor Series thing, too soon, way too soon. All right. So now we have to discuss the elephant in the room, and that is WWE Crown Jewel, which is now being hosted by none other. Than the immortal Hulk Hogan. <sighs> Vince took a hundred percent sellout and went to one hundred and fifty percent. Yo, Vince basically said, <laughs> "If I'm gonna do a bunch of bad shit, I'm gonna put it all in one badass bag." Vince went full like, heel. Like <laughs> Vince went full heel. There ain't no half step yeah, in. He's not a tweener. Ooh, ooh like. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Like it's really, oh. it's really the show now that you start going, man. Like I'm, like we're still doing a live blog, so yeah, I'm still gonna be watching this shit. But it's like I'm gonna watch it, but I'm not gonna like it. How about like, that? That's yeah, that's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna watch it live. So he kiss my ass. I'm gonna watch it when I get home from work on Friday, but I'm not gonna like it. They, I mean, they're really trying it with Hogan. They're yeah. really trying it. But, they put me but again, I'm sure it's, it's Saudi Arabia is just like, we want Hulk Hogan. And they're just like, all right, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, don't kill us. Don't kill another journalist. Here's Hulk Hogan. It's, man, it's, it's, it's in such bad taste. And, I, and Renee Young's on commentary. So I don't know. What are they going to dress her up as? Like, yeah, I, how'd I'm you do curious. that? Yeah, like if women can't wrestle, women can be part of a commentary team? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, like. Actually, I want to go back to Renee Young real quick. She can't show skin, right? Like, I'm so confused. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's about to happen. I have no idea. But uh, anyway, yeah, Crown Jewel. Hmm. Oof. Oof. If I if I really wasn't this super pro wrestling fan, I would not watch that shit. And if I wasn't working at Sport News, we had a live blog. I wouldn't watch it. 
Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm just going to watch it just because, like, fuck it, I watch everything. But still, it, it, it really is off-putting. Um, with that being said, some people are not going to be there. John Cena and Daniel Bryan. John Cena, okay, he just keeps on filming movies, whatever. Daniel Bryan said, I'm not going. So they decided to pull the trigger on his title shot with AJ Styles on SmackDown on Tuesday. One hell of a match. One of the best matches. You want to talk about match of the year caliber. This is right up there. And it would have blown the top off of a pay-per-view. Instead, they did it on a house show. Which actually, to me, felt better. Because Daniel Bryan was getting booed because they're in Atlanta. And Styles is so over in his hometown. I thought that was dope. It gave a dynamic of a face versus face. But the crowd had their guy. And Daniel Bryan seemed like the, you know, the, he's... He's the guy everywhere else. So um, that was amazing. They put on one hell of a show, one hell of a match. And there was a clean finish. So it had everything that should happen. It just happened to be on Tuesday. Yeah, my only problem with this is you're not getting your WrestleMania. Um, and it like there was a moment when Joe ran in and I started picturing like a triple threat at WrestleMania. I was like, holy shit. But it's fucking November and they're doing this already. Like they're burning Joe out. Like unless because Joe's now wrestling Styles at, at Crown Jewel. Like unless yeah. Joe beats Styles, it's like over for Joe and his title, title opportunities. It's finished. Yeah, I mean, so, it's pretty much yeah. That's the way they're going. But he's still be around. Yeah, so, like the picture, Joe is always stalking somebody. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like the match was good. Um, I kind of watched it. I watched it today while I was doing some other shit. So I, maybe I need to watch it again. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was like match of the year contender. But it just feels weird that they, they pulled the trigger on this early to put it on tra- Crown Jewel. Then the shit doesn't happen on Crown Jewel and they do it on SmackDown. That is like a WrestleMania match. Yeah. And now you're not going to get a WrestleMania. So I guess that's the sticking point with me is like Crown Jewel is ruining everything. Yeah. How about it, that? It, it did. Because even if you give us something like that at Survivor Series, it makes the pay-per-view seem bigger, right? And it makes the match feel bigger. Yeah. Just because it, it seems like the stakes are higher, like more eyeballs, whatever. So this will just go down as a really, really good SmackDown match, which is damn near shame. Um, Crown Jewel, real quick, just running down the entire thing. Let me get this roster of shit going. Uh, we have AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. I think AJ Styles retains. Yeah, I mean, the way that they booked this, unless somebody was in the creative room and was just like, look, Joe's in this match, fuck it, let's pull the trigger. Yeah. I don't see that happening. They're not taking the belt off of Styles until like, until the guy, the next guy, comes to take it, to advance the storyline further. Like, they're, they're pushing this past CM Punk levels. Like, the guy might not main event shit, but they're giving him the kudos of, you know what, you're carrying the brand. Yeah. So, unless The Miz beats him sooner or later, to... Up the ante on this very stale Daniel Bryan feud. Um, that's that's the only thing I can see. Until then, no one has come up worthy of beating AJ Styles. Um, we have the WWE World Cup featuring less and less people from the world. Um, who's winning it? I'm not going through every match. Who's your pick to win it? There's this really sinking feeling that Hulk Hogan hosting this shit means Bobby Lashley would win. Yeah, and Hogan to be. <laughs> this is what I thought at SummerSlam, right? This is uh, the Hogan, the Hogan Redemption Tour. Hold the brown man's head. Ugh. Oh, but it feels like, man, this is really tough because I would love I for Lashley just... to spear his ass though, like to yeah. to win and go super heel and just spear Hogan after the hug. Oh, 
But that would make him a baby like, face. It doesn't seem like a guy like Ziggler can win. It seems like it has to be an old wrestler. He's not going to be Kurt Angle. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like Rollins can win either. Even though I think he should win. But he's the IC champion. So him winning doesn't really elevate his position. He's like the second best babyface on Raw. And I think it would elevate a heel. Randy like, I can't see, you know, like, I kind of see Rey Mysterio winning this shit in some strange way. Maybe Mysterio wins this shit. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, probably get Mysterio, Hardy, second round. That puts Lashley, Angle. Mysterio versus Angle in the finals. Mysterio wins. Yeah, I'll go with it. Could be that. I'll go I mean, with that. Randy, Randy Orton could always win as well. So there's always that. Well, we'll, we'll know exactly who wins because they face off in the first round. So yeah. uh, I'll go Mysterio though, um, just because he just came back. You got to keep him hot, and I think he's going to take the belt off of Shinsuke. So keep him hot. Then we have the Bar versus the New Day Tag Team Championships, uh, and it seems like Big Show is intertwined in this. Dog, nobody knows why Big Show did this. They just had nothing for him to do. No, um, I mean people probably want the Giant in Saudi Arabia, thinking it's Andre the Giant. And they're going to give them the big show, so they had to infuse him into something. Yeah, um, I feel like it's too too soon to flip the titles back to the the new day. So I guess shenanigans and uh, bar wins. I don't know what other tag teams are in contention in the SmackDown tag division. The Usos, <laughs> who are I'm not sure if they're heels or faces anymore. Um, I like the title flip. Why not? Back to New Day, hot potato, and. We, it's so weird because Survivor Series is champions versus champions. So the bar technically would be facing off with Ambrose and Rollins right now. If shit stayed the same. Yeah, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, so that's very weird. Um, DX versus the Brothers of Destruction. I really don't care. Um, Shawn Michaels is bald, Dre. Bald. Oh, shit. People have seen his head. But, that um, shit breaks my heart. That's my childhood uh, gone. It feels like uh, Kane's going to take the pin. So I guess DX wins. Yeah, you have the mayor take the pin. He ain't doing shit else. Um, yeah. I think Sean takes the pin. I think Taker wins. Like I, I think they're going to give Taker. Taker can't lose. It's, this is like WrestleMania light. Taker's yeah, but the problem, like the problem is, I don't feel like it's over for Taker. After this, it's over for Sean. Triple H is not over for. Her. We I'm don't not know. Sure, what's if it's over for Sean, I'm hearing a lot of Sean versus AJ Styles talk for me. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, you get fucking you pop the cherry of Sean coming back, so I guess he can wrestle a full schedule if you really wanted to. But I don't see them paying. He's in NXT, not even full schedule. You just somehow, you know, you fuck around. And, I don't. Do you have Sean like do some stupid shit and win the Rumble and face AJ Styles? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I mean, I, I think you might get those two at WrestleMania. Anyway, uh, I, I hate to think that because I don't want Sean to come back. Well, it's better than Sean Taker three. Exactly. Which is the other um, but I just feel like Kane could take a pin. And it's just like whatever. Like Sean can't. I don't think Sean could show up to lose. Triple H could lose, but I don't think he'll lose. Taker won't take the pin. Um, so I think it has to be Kane. And then main event, Lesnar versus Strowman. Oh, Strowman time. 
Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it's absolutely. I mean, it's he beats his ass clean and then gets wrecked by Drew McIntyre again. I mean, the seeds have been planted. Like R- Reigns is gone, Strowman is the the man on Raw, and Brock Lesnar's like he's not even a part time. I don't know what he is anymore. So no, he's just he's getting paid that Saudi Arabia money. That's why he's here. Outside of that, he's training. He is he is felt right now. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. So yeah, yeah. Strowman is the new champ. Uh, Beats Lesnar clean. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it'll be Lesnar's first clean loss since what? I mean, did he lost clean to Reigns? He lost clean to Goldberg. Um, did he oh, lose clean to Reigns? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how Reigns got that belt. Braun came out and threatened to cash in. And oh, and there's a spear. Yeah, so I guess he he lost semi clean. Well, I'm counting on that shit. The last person to really, really beat Lesnar is Eddie Guerrero in like a full fledged no BS match. Well, Goldberg ran through him, so there's that. Well, that's that show was a farce. It took three minutes, (laughs) but uh, it was shocking nonetheless. But yeah, so that's the pay per view that we're gonna watch, but other people may not watch. So we'll recap it next week for you in case you didn't see it and get ready for Survivor Series. And uh, King of Bros premieres tonight in NXT. So that's going to be fun. Building up to NXT War Games, which looks like it's going to be an exciting pay-per-view. NXT never disappoints. So are you going to Survivor Series, by the way? I forgot to ask you. No. It's in no. Okay. I decided, yeah, I, I, I got to go to New York for Canelo and uh, L.A. for Wilder Fury. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. Oh, yeah. Party at Dre's crib. <laughs> I, I love it. So thank you guys for listening. Another episode of Corner Podcast. Make sure you guys follow us, all social media platforms, at The Corner LSN. Me, at Kel Dansby. Him, at Andreas Hale. It is a Wednesday night. It is Halloween. I need to get my costume on. I got to go get drunk and party and then work at 5.30 a.m. Living that young life, Dre. And you are going to go play Red Dead Redemption 2. So, and watch horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is your night. We're living two completely different lives. I, I love old man Andreas. So thank you guys for listening once again. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.